you're visiting, welcome. And uh, last last Sunday we began a new series and 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 some time this summer we're going to spend on on what is what does the Bible say uh, church is supposed to be church? What is the church? What is a church? Right? We we said last last Sunday that there's a, a, a beautiful sign out there that says the well. And we spent all of June understanding the significance of wells in the Bible. And last Sunday we pointed out that underneath the well it says Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. So it's fairly obvious that we're a church, right? And, and yet, and yet, if we're not careful, church is one of those words that because we become so familiar with it, we can sort of drift. We can sort of lose our bearings in the comfort and the familiarity of what we call church. I, I shared with you before, I, uh, years ago when we first moved to Ojai, I used to go fishing quite a bit. I don't know, cattle boats, they call them deep sea fishing. And, you know, you'd get to the spot and I'd race to drop my line down first because that's, you know, you want to get the fish first. And, you know, you're so focused. I'd be so focused on like rod tip and enjoy myself and, and after a while suddenly the bite would go cold and quiet and nobody seemed to be catching anything and and lo and behold you know it wasn't wasn't too long after that that the captain would say oh okay reel them up we've drifted we've drifted off the spot because they have their little sonar radar and they name the fish finder and they, they try to find the formations at the bottom of the ocean where all the fish hang out and what was happening is I was so intent on me and me catching fish that I was oblivious to the fact that the entire boat was drifting off where it needed to be. And that can happen in the church. With the best of intentions, we all get really focused and we want to be faithful and we want to serve and, and we, we get laser-like with a good heart. But we might, we might look up one day and Jesus, as he does in Revelation, says, Hey, and by the way, you've drifted. Reel them up. Right? Well, I mean, that's kind of what he said to the church at Ephesus. Hey, uh, reel them up, you must first love. Right? They had drifted. They were doing church really well. They were orthodox in their teaching. They were calling out false teachers. They probably had a wonderful children's ministry. Who knows? Right? But he said, reel them up. We've drifted. Right? Laodicea, the same thing. Church of Laodicea, very comfortable, could have, could have been the Church of Ojai. Very wealthy, commercial trade route. People come to church regularly, but in their mind, I'm good to go. I don't need a thing, I'm good to go. And he says, uh, uh, by the way, you're naked and wretched. <laughs> Talk about drifting. I mean, think about that. You're thinking you're all good. And the owner architect of the church is real them up. You have drifted way off, buddy. You know? And and that's why it's really important for us to stay focused on what last last week we call the fundamentals. Right? I shared with you the story of Vince Lombardi, famous, successful coach, NFL. The Green Bay Packers had just lost the championship game, right? NFC Championship. Sorry, Scott, hardcore Green Bay fan here. Right? The first day of training camp, all the veterans, all the all pros, they're ready to fire it up and, and make it right, take it all the way to the Super Bowl. And what does Vince Lombardi do? He shows up with one of these, and he says, gentlemen, this is a football. football. 
And you can imagine the collective groan by these all-pro athletes. Thanks, coach. Tell us something we don't know. Right? And by the way, Marvin, in honor of you, (laughs) Trojan, Carl, Bill, I graduated from UCLA. So every time USD game comes up, Marvin, just let you know. Agape love right there. Self-sacrificial love. This is a football. And he caught some grief and some flack from the fellows during the summer. He's like, come on, coach. We've been doing this since Ojai Eagles. I did this in Nordoff. Why are we tackling each other? Why are, we, why are you telling me to catch it like this? And why are you telling me how to hold it like this? I did this. Fundamentals. Fundamentals. And I love this quote. He says, and this was his desire, that his team would become the best in the league at the tasks everyone else took for granted. And I've been in ministry for 25 years, and I've seen that, that oftentimes church can be taken for granted. Because we're real busy, and it looks like a lot's happening, and there's people coming, right? And, and, and that's all good, but if we're not careful, we might just be taking things for granted. We might just be taking things for granted. And, and so this summer, as we've gathered, and as, as many of you have, have come for several weeks now and have gotten to know us and are getting to know us, uh, the Lord put in my heart, well, let's just, let's just look at what the church uh, is called to be, created to be by the Lord. Uh, so you can get to know us, and collectively, um, we can move forward as a, as a church family and, and be the church that he calls us to be. Amen? Amen. Because that's what, that, that should be our goal, right? Oftentimes these days, churches are built on personalities, they're built on programming, they're built on facility, they're built on a lot of things other than what they were supposed to be built on, which is a person, which is Jesus. Jesus. Right? Matthew 16, we saw last week that the church fundamentally is built on Jesus because Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? And Jesus said, you're right, Pete. And in fact, on this rock, on what you just said, the rock of who I am, Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, God, I will build my church. I will build my church. And we saw last week that if you share that conviction, that Jesus is the Christ, okay, so remember, Jesus is a name, Christ is a title. Christ is not his last name. And very important, people are like, what's Jesus' last name? We don't really know what Jesus' last name is, but it's not Christ. If you want to be technically correct, you would refer to him as Jesus the Christ. Right? He is Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus. Christ is Messiah, anointed one. He is the Christ. Everything that the Old Testament, every person that the Old Testament was pointing to. He tells us in Matthew, we saw last Sunday, that the church is built upon him and upon that conviction. If you share that conviction about Jesus being the Christ, couple things happen like that. That fast. If that is your conviction, you were placed into what? The family of God or what we call the church. You're in. So if you're sitting next to a believer, you might as well turn to him and say, you're in. You're in. You're, you're in. You're in. You're in. Positionally, you're in. 
You're in. Now, I get it. And then what life gets a little bit challenging because at the human level, we visit different churches and we decide if we're going to join the church. I understand that. But if we're going to go all the way back to the basics, the church is made up of redeemed people, people who have confessed Christ, Jesus the Christ, saved by grace through faith, put into the church universal. So the church is made up of all the redeemed who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Amen? That's the starting point. That's the starting point of the even why we're gathered here. Quite frankly. Quite frankly, that's 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 the whole purpose. So there's a conviction. The church is built on a conviction of who Christ is. If you share that conviction, you're in. You're in. And we left here last Sunday. Well, if I'm in, what ought I to be doing? Uh, right? If you're already in, okay, so the, the, the common vernacular for us is, honey, it's time to go to church. church. Afterwards, we're going to go have coffee and donuts. Now we're going to leave church. And then what? Go back to church. Do we ever stop? Church? Let me, let me be more specific. Do we ever stop being the church? Woo! <laughs> so some of you are going to have church at Cafe Emporium. Some of you are going to have church at Taco Bell. Some of you are going to have church at home. Some of you are going to have church at the beach later. Right? We never stop being the church. And in fact, we saw in Timothy that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. So it's rooted in the truth of Christ. Now here's the crazy thing. The way we live glorifies and brings glory to the truth of Christ. Amen? That's why, that's why it's so important that we're always the church. Because have you ever have you ever been in a situation, whether it's at work, maybe some friends, with someone that professed to be a Christian, but their words and actions kind of made you cringe? And you kind of said, can you not say that so loud? Anyone? You're kind of like, man, they're doing this and they're saying this, and, and man, it just makes me feel uncomfortable because I feel like it's hurting the church. It's hurting the church's testimony. They're not doing us a favor, right? Well, if you're feeling that way, that's what you're supposed to feel because 24-7, 365, we are the pillars of the church. We are, we are, we are to go out and demonstrate to the world what the church is can be in Christ. Amen? And I shared with you, the church isn't perfect. I've shared with you before. If you find the perfect church, don't join it. Why? Because you'll mess it up. Because who was the church made up of? Imperfect people. So just turn to the person next to you and say, I told you I'm not perfect. Go ahead. I told you. I told you I'm not perfect. Right? So that person that drove you crazy on your way to church. Elbows are going, right? The church is made up of redeemed people in transformation, in metamorphosis, but we're imperfect. So in this, this gathering right here, the unity and the joy and the koinonia and the worship, I want you, and please, I'm not trying to, to, to be glib about this. This is supernatural. 
The fact that we get along and we actually love each other, care about each other, genuinely pray for each other, help each other move, bring food to one another, pray for each that's a supernatural act of God. God that's, don't ever take that for granted. This is beautiful. This is incredible. Because I sit back and I'm like, whoa, Lord, that's, there's a room full of imperfect people in here right now. And we're just trying to walk in the Spirit and do our best. And look what He can do when we're all focused on Him. Amen? Look what He can do when the church is rooted and, and, and grounded in what it's supposed to be rooted and grounded in. Then He has freedom and He can reign and He can do all these incredible things, which bless us, but quite frankly, which is a testimony to the world. Which is a testimony to the world. Right? And so, in 2 Corinthians 5... I wanted to share with you, again, in a very kind of a, a broader way about the church as we move forward. The Apostle Paul shares his heart for ministry, and, in, and then he goes on and, and he really says something about what our ministry should be as the church. Not Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, but the church, universal. Right? 2 Corinthians 5 start in verse 14. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at a city called Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians. Right? 2 Corinthians 5. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Apostle Paul is, is sharing his heart. Kind of, he starts up with, with the why. And, and here's, here's the challenge. And, and maybe I'm speaking more to, to those of us who have been in the church and serve in various ministries. Right? And sometimes, if we're not careful, what we do in the church, our ministry becomes elevated to an unhealthy place. We begin to identify ourselves in the, in the church by what we do in the church, by the title we have in the church. And that's a very dangerous place to be, right? If you start to look at your ministry as a sense of fulfillment, a sense of satisfaction in who you are, a sense of identity, you've already drifted. You've already drifted. It's not about the ministries, the little and ministries that we do around here. In fact, in the marriage uh, series last week, what did he say? Marriage 
was never intended to compete with God. It was to point us to Him. See, even in the context of marriage, if I'm looking at, at my wife to fulfill my deepest needs rather than God, He says, and we learned last week, we're expecting too much out of our marriage. We're expecting too much out of our spouse. And we can do damage because our expectations are wrong. I was thinking about that in regard to the church. That's why a lot of people, I think, get let down, get disillusioned, get discouraged, leave the church. Maybe it's because your expectations were off. You were expecting the church to fulfill some of your deepest needs, maybe through ministry service, and then you're around imperfect people who step on your toes, who are mean, who are rude, who don't show up on time, whatever, whatever. They're not meeting your needs anymore. And rather than going to Jesus and God to meet your deepest needs, somehow or another, church became the source. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because you're expecting too much, maybe. You're expecting too much. Right? And so I love this passage because look what it says in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Apostle Paul says, you know what? You know what drives me? You want to know what really lights my fire? You know why I'm here, Church of Corinth? Christ's love. I'm compelled. When was the last time you were compelled by something? When was the last time you were really compelled? Something just wouldn't let you go. You just had to because you were compelled. Right? That's a powerful word. And there's a lot of emotion and a lot of power behind that. And he says, I'm compelled by Christ's love. That's why I'm here. I'm overwhelmed by His grace. You know, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Christ's love compels me. And I understand He's given me not just a little ministry in a church. He's given me a very big ministry called the Ministry of Reconciliation. See, if you're in the church, the church is built on a conviction. If you share that conviction, you were put into the church. If you're put into the church, you have a ministry. So tap that person who's in the church and tell them, you have a ministry. Go ahead, smile. Smile and say, you have a ministry. Go ahead. You have a ministry. According to this passage, what is the ministry? Ministry of reconciliation. And here's the cool thing. I don't need a sign-up sheet in the comments. And I don't need your email. Because if you're in the church... You're already signed up. You're already signed up. It's called the Ministry of Reconciliation. In fact, further down, he says, you're an ambassador of reconciliation. You're an ambassador! Well, I thought that's that's what you're supposed to do. Aren't you the ambassador? And we're just supposed to... No! You're sitting next to an ambassador! Turn next to... Turn! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> like it passed like this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right? <laughs> that carries weight. Rope, rope. Rope, rope. So let me get this straight. The church is built on a conviction about Christ, Jesus Christ. Yes. I share that conviction. 
Yes. You say that biblically I was put into the church. Yes. You say that I have a ministry called the Ministry of Reconciliation. Yes. Now you're saying I have a title called Ambassador of Reconciliation? Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm just the messenger. <laughs> right? And, and, and this is one of because it's liberating. It's liberating because now you get to operate in the context of the big church and just do what God called you to do to be an ambassador of reconciliation. You don't have to wait for us to come up with this certain program. You don't have to sign up for, for different, uh, different sheets. You don't have to give money. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to. You just get to go be an ambassador of reconciliation. See, see this is where it flips. This is where, especially in the church in America, because we do church so well, we, we tend to elevate the organization. We tend to elevate the programs. We elevate the administration. We elevate the very nice facilities. And now we're consumed with church at the local level and doing. This should be liberating. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. I'm in. And now I get to... I get to. Everyone say get to. Everyone say it is a privilege to be an ambassador. Isn't it? I mean, come on. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative of a ruling authority. You got ambassadors all around the world. If you were tagged to be an ambassador, you would pretty much be kind of stoked, wouldn't you? Scared. But you would see it as a what? An honor. An honor, maybe the highest honor, one of the highest honors. Well, you and I are placed in the church. He calls us ambassadors. I think that's a pretty high honor. Amen? I think that's a pretty great privilege. Amen? Of reconciliation. It's incredible. And here's the thing, guys. You don't need a lot of book learning to do it. See, I think somewhere along the line in the church, we, we sort of con convinced ourselves, maybe used it as an excuse. I don't know enough. I don't know enough. Well, after I go to Tuesday nights with Bill, maybe I'll know enough. If you have come to the place where your conviction is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you know enough. You know enough to go be an ambassador of reconciliation. You know enough. And, and, and let me explain it this way. I was a fairly new Christian. I, I, I just kind of getting my feet wet. Learned some key verses about salvation and, and something called the Romans Road. If you know the Romans Road. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the ro wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I put it in your notes, right? I knew the Romans wrote. I had this conviction. But I was sort of real wet behind the ears in this whole Christian thing, right? I had gone to church my whole life. But I was not a part of the church because I had not had that true conviction. So at our, at our church in San Diego, very large church, at Thanksgiving we had this really cool outreach where we would open up, it was on a junior high campus, so they would open up the facility, and people of the body would use their gifts. There was hairstylists, 
They would, they would bus in homeless people, get their hair cut for free, resumes for free, go into gym, there's all kinds of clothes for free, cafeterias open, just booming ministry. It was an awesome Thanksgiving Day outreach. So me, and you know Chaz, Pastor Chaz, who's on our accountability board, we were, we were buddies back then, and he drove the bus, the church bus, the little school bus. He said, hey, you want to come with me to downtown? We're about 25 minutes out of downtown San Diego. I'm like, sure, what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to park in a lot, empty lot, and you just go run around and invite people and tell them where the bus is and tell them we'll get them there and we'll get them back to the same spot. So I'm like, sure. So he drives and I'm in the front seat and we get to downtown San Diego. And he says, okay, be back. Right, he gives me this time. So I'm just walking through downtown, kind of like, like I said, kind of a new believer, just not knowing. I'm like, hey, you want to go? Hey, you want to go? And I'm just talking to what I perceive at least to be homeless people. And I'll never, I'll never forget this. I come up to this one guy. Say, hey, we're from a church in Claremont. Got a bus over there. If you want to come, there's food. There's, we do resumes. We get your haircut, clothes, everything. And he just looks at me. And he goes, how do I become a Christian? <laughs> no, that was, that was the only thing he said to me. How do I become a Christian? Right? Well, come to our church. Get on the bus. Because I can take you to a whole lot of people who can help you, right? But he wasn't coming on the bus. It was, it was obvious he wasn't going to leave his spot. He just wanted to know right then and there. In my mind, i got to get him to the church. Because there's a program there that's going to hopefully lead you to Jesus. But now I'm off script. And now it's mano a mano. And I have this gentleman asking me with true sincerity, how do I become a Christian? And I'm a kind of a newbie, kind of know the Romans road. And, and, and this whole reconciliation thing, I kind of, I, I, I had that down. And, and I'm like, anyone ever been in a situation where you just say, you have one of those Lord help me moments? <laughs> You're like, I don't know what to say right now, but I'm going to trust you. Well, that was one of those like, Helping Jesus, right? So we had this dialogue, and I and I share with him to the best of my ability what I know. The Romans Road. I walk him through the Romans Road. I talk about the cross and reconciliation and sin, all this. And we pray together. We pray together. Beautiful, heartfelt prayer. And he says, "Thank you." And I look at my watch, and I'm like, "Ooh." And I go, "Okay, see you later," because he wasn't coming. I'm like, "See you later." I get back to the bus and, you know, Chaz is like, because two things I thought, you're dead or you're sharing your faith, you know, because <laughs> kind of, I, was, I was like delayed, right, I messed up the program, everyone was waiting because the program was being halted because Richie wasn't back. At that moment, I didn't realize that God was using me in this ambassador of reconciliation, right, this big term. No, I just had this conversation, how do I become a Christian? And with what little I knew, that was enough. I don't know what happened to him. I've never seen him since. But I believe that that was valuable. If I was planting, if I was watering, if that was his moment of salvation and he became part of the church, then praise the Lord. But see, at that moment, I had to make a choice. And when I 
part of the church and an ambassador of reconciliation all the time, in season and out of season? Or have I become so, so focused on, well, you've got you to come. There's a program for you. And, and, and pass, come talk to pastor, because he can really answer your questions. We're all the church all the time. And I get that that's kind of weighty and that's kind of... Has anyone ever had that thought, what if they ask me a question I don't know? Yeah. Come on, right? Yeah. What's your answer? Many of you, I email Pastor Richie. <laughs> and you do. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But we use that hypothetical fear as a barrier to not even do anything. And he says, Paul says, Christ's love compels me to fulfill this ministry of reconciliation, to be an ambassador. He's speaking about his specific ministry there in Corinth, but in the broader context, we're all called to make disciples. Amen? Right? What does Acts 1.8 says? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're all called to go. Are you willing? Because you're already in. You're in. The question is, what are you doing with your position? Bill said, you know, on Tuesday nights, right? You're standing versus your state. Well, your standing is, you're in. You're in the church. And these verses say, we've been given a ministry. The first ministry, right off the bat. Ministry of reconciliation. And you're given a title. Ambassador. You're a representative and a messenger of the King of Kings. Amen? Do you ever think about that? Philippians 3.20 says you're a citizen of heaven. So as citizens of heaven, if you're planted in, in Miner's Oaks, if you're planted on the East End, wherever you live in this valley, you are an ambassador. You represent what a citizen of heaven should be about. And that is a privilege. That is a privilege. Because we get the privilege of, of being used by God to bring people into the church into the household of God. What's one thing that won't be in heaven? Sin. What else? What's one thing we won't be doing in heaven? Watching TV. Watching TV? Oh! <laughs> ESPN? No ESPN? Okay. What's one thing we won't be doing in heaven as it relates to this? Spreading the, Spreading the gospel. Witnessing. There won't be evangelism in heaven. This ministry of reconciliation ceases in heaven. So until then, we have the privilege, everyone say privilege, privilege. to maximize it. <laughs> Isn't that? There is no ministry of reconciliation in heaven. So he says, until that time comes, when he makes all things right, I want you, my church, to be my ambassadors to build the kingdom. Now, the challenging part of that, if you look at Jesus' life in the scriptures, not everyone likes that. Right? We don't have these moments. How can I become a Christian and you're just like, yeah, this is awesome! The next time you try to share, ah, you're one of them. Ah, Jesus, Jesus speak, right? What happened to Jesus when he was going about being seeking and saving the lost? The Pharisees, oh, you search the scriptures, but you refuse to come to me. They refused. 
right? They persecuted him. What does he say? Hey, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Right? If, he pers- if they persecuted the ultimate ambassador of reconciliation, okay, guys, it's coming. Right? So, so they refused. They rejected him. Right? They persecuted him. That's, that's where the challenge comes in. We have this love, Christ love. We get that we're part of the church and we have a ministry of reconciliation. But the hard part is when we actually go do it and we get blasted. We get criticized, we get name called, we get labeled, we're now intolerant, we're now narrow, right? You're still Bible. Oh, you're one of the Bible believers. You're still, oh, you're one of them John 14, Sixers. John, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes with, oh, you're one of them, right? It, it, it's tough. It's tough. And, and if we focus on all the negative, here's the thing. If you, what you choose to focus on is very important. Because if you focus on all the resistance and all the rejection and all the persecution, you're going to turn inward. And you're going to want to self-protect. You're going to want to self-protect. And I understand that. I, I really do. And then now there's this, this tension. Because I'm called to be an ambassador of reconciliation, but I went out there and, man, and I just got hammered. Anyone ever gotten hammered and want to go back out again? <laughs> it's tough, right? So how do we, how do we overcome that? A, you, Jesus, you expect it. Right? Jesus was honest. I love Jesus. Hey, if they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. Right? You expect it. But here's the other thing. We have to take our eyes off of us. And onto the Lord and onto what's happening out there. Right? And, and I thought of I thought of I thought of something that I read just this past week that, that really brought me back to to why I even left law school to, to go into ministry. And there was an article. Ali, put up that one picture. Maybe you saw this if you're online. July 8th, Panama City, Florida. Families out there enjoying enjoying the day at the beach. And a mother notices that her two young boys, elementary school boys, are missing. She starts scanning the water where she was. Turns out they had been pulled out by a riptide 100 yards out, 15 feet of water. She and other family members swim out to try to help the boys and others. The conditions are so rough that ultimately nine people are stuck 100 yards off the shore in 15 feet of water. And they're getting tired. They're getting tired. There was no lifeguard on duty, but they, someone did call the authorities and so there was there was a vehicle in one of the articles I read. There was a, a vehicle with the lights on and everything, and they had called for a boat, a lifeguard boat. That's all they could do. The people on the shore were compelled to do something. Were compelled to do something. And there was a husband and wife who saw what was going on. They were strong swimmers, so they somehow got a booty board and they decided to go out to the nine that were now on the verge of complete exhaustion. 
as they were doing that, something happened with complete strangers on the shore. Complete strangers. They formed a human chain. Some of them couldn't even swim, so they stayed in the shallow water. First it was five. Then it was 15. And ultimately, go ahead, Eileen, the chain went up to 80 people. Strangers. Because there were some people drowning. And they needed to do something. And so, 80 strangers are compelled to action because there's two little boys and seven other people who are about to drown. Now we've sat facing this way for about an hour and 12 minutes. We've got here 10. Just for a moment. Turn and look outside. Right? Okay, now look back. The Bible says when Jesus saw the multitudes, he looked on them with compassion because they were like sheep, helpless, lost, without a shepherd. And then he said something very interesting. Pray that the Lord of the harvest sends who? The church. Workers. To where? There. There. Because there are people drowning there. They have been pulled by a riptide. And they are treading water right now. As we're sitting in this comfortable air-conditioned room, there are people in this valley treading water, don't know how much longer they can last. The question is, what is the church going to do? What are we going to do? And here's the thing, guys. I'm really excited that people are inviting people to the well. But that's not the end game. Because ultimately, the only answer and where we want people to go is Jesus. Invite them here, knowing that ultimately we're going to point them to Jesus. The well is not the end game. Amen? This organization is not the end game. We want them to meet Jesus and be reconciled. And so 80 people, some who can't swim, do what they can do. They stay in the shallows. They lock arms and they begin to extend to that pocket of people a hundred yard, yards out and 15 feet of water about to die. And here's what happened. The husband and wife on the boogie boards were excellent swimmers, so they were not afraid. They went out there and they started with the two little boys 
who were the weakest and had been out there the longest. They handed each person to the line, and one by one they were passed down the line to safety. Everyone mattered. Everyone had a part to play. And at the end, when all nine were on shore, you know what happened? The beach erupted. The beach erupted in applause. Because 80 strangers were compelled out of love to help some people who were drowning. Amen? I hope that you all understand that, that here, everything we do goes back to love and the ministry of reconciliation. Because we do really understand what's, what's out there outside the doors. And we understand we're all in this together. And can do what we can do. And God knew that. <laughs> he really did. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to really experience church and to be part of something that you already are a part of. And so I appreciate that. And, and here's, here's the crazy thing before Bill comes up. When the Apostle Paul was was speaking in 2 Corinthians, you know who he was talking to? The church. And he says, hey, we implore you, be reconciled to God. And you're like, what? Isn't that for non-believers? Well, there was some stuff happening in the church at Corinth, some sin and some, some behaviors that were, that were displeasing to the Lord. And I find it very interesting that the Apostle Paul speaks to the church first and says, hey, be reconciled to God. Let's start in the household first. Be reconciled first. And then when we leave, our motive is love. We understand our ministry. We understand our message, the gospel. And then you know what? We model. We model what it is to be reconciled. That's all we do. We have the motive, we have the ministry, we have the message, and we just model it. We just model it. And he calls you and me an ambassador just by doing that. Amen? Bill, if you would come up and lead us into that communion.
man's love for the son compelled him to do the duty. Pictures of that beach in Florida and and us out of love giving up and recognizing that when you die to yourself as Jesus was the example for us to reach out in love to others that are hurting that's a powerful thing isn't it? Isn't that just a powerful thing? As we prepare to take communion I hope we're praying today that if we're not reconciled to God that we ought to be and if we are and we've taken that lightly perhaps today is the day perhaps today is the day that we are just that much more compelled to live in in the love of Christ who as believers is in us ministers of the new covenant ambassadors of reconciliation Maybe today you're here with somebody. Maybe you just need to hold their hand. Maybe the strength that you need today that can only come from Christ, you need a hand. Maybe somebody can just put their arm around you. Maybe you can put your arm around someone. But the cups are going to come. And we have to be reminded of Christ's love for us, which should be what compels us to do anything. Amen. Let's pray. Father, what a powerful message that you have today in this place, God. And I pray, Lord, I pray that this would be a church where ambassadors of reconciliation would start right here. And that what is demonstrated in the love that we show for one another, God, in this place that we know comes from you would be so attractive, Lord, that hurting people, God, could come to the throne of grace for reconciliation that only you can offer. And so God, we are going to take communion because Jesus, you told us that whenever we do, that we should be remembering you. So if we've drifted, forgive us, Lord. Reconciliation is powerful, Lord. We're going to take the cups because of your love and it is your love that compels us to do this so thank you Jesus for giving us this ordinance of communion that we could think about God who you are and what you've done for us all of it out of love to be reconciled Come.
hold in your hands. If you are compelled as a follower of Jesus out of love, hold the cups in love. We've all been served. We'll take communion together. Amen. The cups you hold represent symbolically the broken body and shed blood that Jesus Christ our Lord. And we should take this in remembrance of Him. But more, this morning, remember His love for you and for me. That's what He doesn't want us to forget. Christ's love compels us as an act of obedience and worship to take the communion meal together as a church body. Amen. Eat and drink in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This word of encouragement is belief, having celebrated Christ's love. As you leave, leave as ambassadors of reconciliation. Leave with the joy that, that you're in the church. And the highest and greatest privilege we have is to go out and be ambassadors for Jesus. Amen? Amen. So wherever you go this afternoon, maybe, maybe just start, just, if you're around other people, just pray. Pray for them. Ask God to show you those, maybe, maybe right around you, that might be treading water. That might be treading water. And just maybe, God's going to use you this week to bring them to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and grant you peace. Father, use us to be salt and light for your glory, for your kingdom purposes this week until we gather once again. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.